Hey there! Welcome to the show and Happy New Year! I gotta tell you, I am so excited about our show today. Got some great guests joining me. Phil Soper, president of Royal LePage, will be here, as well as Dave Butler from BM Select. We're going to talk about and do a recap for 2021. And of course, you know what? I'm going to ask them to take out their crystal balls. What's going to happen in 2022? And, uh, you know, I hope everybody's made it through the holidays, you know, safe and sound. And it's just a real pleasure to be able to bring you the show every single Sunday. And, you know, I do want to thank my producer, uh, Ian Grant. He, uh, you know, great year last year for 2021 and looking forward to another great year in 2022. We've got so much to talk about, but, you know, there's some reports that have been coming out. And I am, you know, I will get to, obviously, uh, Omicron, what's happening with lockdowns, what the market's going to look like, you know, what you should be, you know, aware of, because, again, will this affect real estate? It's, you know, it's, it's an ongoing question. In fact, if you take a look at the top news stories, other than the pandemic, the number one news story has basically been for 2021 real estate. Prices, inventory, increase in values, multiple offers, transparency. You know, real estate actually pretty much had a 10% of all news articles had something to do with real estate in 2021. Unbelievable, I know. And in in such a unconventional year as we had, it's amazing how real estate continues to be on the tip of everybody's tongue. And, uh, you know, to start off, I also want to thank everybody who joined us on Thursday evening for our Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar. Great to get the year started, as I said. Have you gotten put together your, your goal for 2022? Are you going to buy your first investment property or are you going to add to your portfolio? I know with the world in disarray, a lot of people are sitting there saying, yeah, but Todd, you know, should I be doing it? The one thing I can tell you is, and what we've seen historically, and as we move forward through 2022, real estate is going to still be one of the most important things to people. If you are a landlord, tenants need a place to live. And this is why I think real estate investment is so important for people. Not only is it good just for the tenants and yourself right now, but it will be generational. And this is one of the important things whenever you talk about investment real estate. And by the way, if you do want to follow me, go to Instagram, the simple investor one, or you can go to uh, our website, the simple Find out more, um, you know, with our release coming out on Wednesday morning at 9am for the newest one that we announced on Thursday, it'd be real important for people to get a great jump start to 2022. But let's talk about the year. Let's talk about what people are talking about, you know, and it's funny because headlines, of course, they start, you know, piling up and real estate being the hot topic that it is, you know, they they keep saying Canadians are bolting into real estate jobs, but are there enough sales for everyone? You know, here's the, th- here's some of the facts and, and it, it's just getting to a staggering level. 61,000 realtors, uh, that are registered under TREB. So, you know, Toronto Real Estate Board there. Uh, 61,000 realtors. And a lot of people, you know, they come to the business and their first comment, and I don't know if this is one of your real estate, one of your, sorry, one of your New Year's goals. So, you know, let, let, let's pick on this one for a second. Who should be a realtor? And, you know, what is the threshold to get into being a realtor? You know, most people know that you're going to have to take your courses and you become licensed. And, you know, a lot of people don't believe that it takes much to become a realtor. And I would say to have a real estate license, 
it's not that difficult. And I don't want to offend anybody that, you know, has failed a course once or twice. But the truth is, is that it's a little easier to get into the actual profession. But that just makes you have the designation. It doesn't make you successful. And so with that many people coming into the industry, you know, how is it that everybody can be successful? And the answer is they're not. If we analyze real estate, you know, and, and we take a look at the number of transactions, you divide it by the number of people that are in the industry. So let's just, you know, hop back into the fact that there's 61,000 realtors in the Toronto real estate board area. And then we talk about the number of transactions that go through. And let's just hypothetically, you know, number's not quite out yet, but let's just guess somewhere around 130,000. You know, that gives you two and a half or not even two and a half deals per agent. How does that work? You know, and if it's transaction, even if we double it, so we go both sides of it, um, how does how does it really, really work? So four deals for per per agent on the average. So we know a lot of people have their real estate license to do it part time. We know a lot of people will do it, you know, just to for themselves, for their family members. And, and that's fine if that's their decision. But it really skews the numbers. And like all numbers in life that we look at, Real estate is one of the ones that actually I think gets manipulated the most. And this is what I've always struggled. You know, back in the day when I actually, you know, was transacting in real estate and, you know, I would carry maybe 20, 30 listings at any given time and, you know, potentially, you know, sell anywhere from 150, 200 homes in a year. But it was, it was one of those things that your numbers had to be absolute when you were doing it. Nowadays, it just seems like, you know, everybody, you know, when, when people start saying, you know, number one agent for this, and they, and they have to do the disclaimer, and the disclaimer is real, but it just seems like everybody's number one, and everybody has the highest sale price, and everybody has this. And so the numbers, and there's so many people doing it, I think it just creates, you know, a, a certain thing around the industry where people just stop believing what they're reading. And so this is the tough part about this industry. If you're coming into it, Beware of what you're getting into, you know, and this is the thing. It's not just a rags to riches industry. It takes years for people to actually get really good traction, to actually become good at it, being a good negotiator, understand the rules and regulations, the laws, knowing how to, you know, to work with transparency. You know, are you going to be a listing agent? Are you going to be a buyer's agent? Like, who are you going to represent? These are all the things that coming into this industry. So when I see the number of people coming into the industry because everybody says, Realtors are making so much money and they go, you know, it's this much of this sale price. Great. But the, the true professionals invest in their business. And if you're not willing to invest in your business, you're not going to stay in it very long. And there's a lot of people, and you know who you are, that have actually lost money in real estate. You had to leave the industry because it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. You know, it was harder than you thought. You couldn't get started, couldn't get clients tough negotiations, giving up too much of your commission. These are the kind of things in the profession. So again, if in 2022, you want to become a realtor or you're a new, new realtor starting out, my advice to you is you're going to have to work, invest in yourself, invest in your clients, and you got to stay the course. You know what? If you give up after six months, you're just never going to win. It can take several years to start getting traction in the industry. And that's just my advice to everybody that's coming and looking at this as a profession. I say it is an amazing profession, but you have to remember you are running your own business. And that is one of the most important things I think people have to understand. When you're a realtor, you're a business person and you have to treat everybody with the utmost respect. If it's other agents and your clients, I think it's really important that everybody knows that. So, what, what else can I rant about uh, yeah, at the beginning of the new year? Well, how about we talk about 
the pandemic, Omicron, what's it going to do? You know, we've we've now gotten, you know, kids uh, back back at home, you know, parents not being able to go to work, you know, uh, you know, lots of people obviously having uh, infections and they, you know, they're getting these positive tests. They've got to you know, make sure that they uh, go through the due diligence and make sure that they get cleared. But the real thing is, is will it have an adverse effect on the real estate market? Um, I am going to touch on this with Phil Soper and Dave Butler later, but, you know, I'll, I'll give you my opinion because I've been watching it, obviously, from day one, had a front side seat to it. And when looking at it, it's, you know, the real estate market had adapted so well out of the gate that, you know, I don't think it's going to have a huge adverse effect. What I think it will do, though, it's going to affect the number of people putting their houses on the market. And what happens when we drop inventory? Well, first and foremost, as we saw in March 30, I think some of the numbers that'll come out is people are going to say, well, some of the pricing's dropping. And that's only because a lot of people that can you know, hold off on listing. So in other words, people that were thinking of listing this week or next week or the week after may not list. They're going to they're gonna wait it out. They're going to wait and see, you know, how long are we in lockdown? How long are the kids going to stay home? Nobody wants to list their home if their kids are having to homeschool. So what now happens? Well, a lot of times, and this is, again, it's kind of a little bit more, uh, you know, price specific. So we start talking about prices in excess of a million dollars, more the family homes, not 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 the not the couples, not the individual person that you know we talk more condos and townhomes and semi detaches price price range normally south of a million dollars, but we talk north of a million dollars. So what could potentially happen in the market? Well, as we saw in April 2020, we heard that the actual list price went down. Well, that's because the million to four million dollar houses decided not to list yet. They said, hey, listen, we're going to stay put. We're not going to list. We're going to wait and wait the market out. So what was selling? It was the condo. So what does that drive down? The average price in the market. So I don't want anybody to get fooled here because, you know, if we come out with a January or February report where it says the average sale price and it drops, that's going to be very misleading for most unless they turn around and give us the full breakdown and say, ah, but the condo market stayed really strong because... Again, it's not, it doesn't have the same influence based on the current situation. So these are the kind of things that I want everybody to be aware of. And don't worry, I'll keep you up to date, you know, throughout this entire thing. As you know, I'm always here every Sunday noon, and I'll make sure that I do my best to analyze the numbers so you get the straight goods. But what I do see is I see the higher end stuff. They're going to check it up for a little bit, maybe not come into the market quite as fast. We're going to have some pent up demand. Of course, there's the pressure that everybody thinks interest rates are going to go up. This again will be a conversation for Tiff Macklin at the Bank of Canada to have. And, you know, I'll definitely bring my economists on this year so we can keep a hard eye on that one because, you know, they were anticipating maybe a quarter point raise to the, uh, to the um, Canada bank rate. But you know what? That may not happen right away either. It depends on where we are, what happens to the economy. You know, inflation is up. That's one of the way they cool it. But quite frankly, we may not see interest rates jump at the same nature as they had indicated to us back in the fall in 2021. So again, lots of moving parts this year, and I'll do my best to keep you up to date on what is happening. And of course, bringing you as many of the the you know industry leaders is something I'm gonna be doing, great conversations. Don't forget, we also do our real estate talk triangle every single month. That's where you know I've got my panelists joining me, Greg Benell and Tim Serianos, 
And, you know, I'll definitely have more guests coming on this year. I want to be able to give you as much information as possible. And if you want more information on The Simple Investor, just go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one But coming up after the break, I've got Phil Soper from Royal Page joining me. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned, my next guest joining me, no stranger to the show, but first time I've had him on this year. Why? Because it's the beginning of the year. He is Phil Soper, president and CEO of Royal Page. And Phil, welcome back and happy new year. Hey, good to be here, Todd. And happy new year to you and your team and family as well. Thank you so much. You know, uh, Phil, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Geez, it seems like I haven't talked to you in a year. You know, bit of bump. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, been a while. Zero two two. Yeah, you know what? Here we are, Phil. I um, I, I want to talk to you in depth today. Just uh, you know, give us an overview how you felt. Twenty twenty one came out of uh, you know uh, the the record books. What we're looking at, what the numbers kind of look at for for twenty twenty one. I do want to get into twenty twenty two in a little while, but. So how do you feel that 2021 actually transpired? Was it, was it a record-setting year? You know, we know prices uh, were up. We know transactions were up. Where did we sit for the year in 2021? Perhaps first, for your, for your listeners, I think it's important to, to level set them and explain that almost every year in a real estate industry is a new record because real property is scarce and it tends to increase in value over time and our population is growing so we have more housing yes we have peak years and years that fall off slightly but the general trend line since uh, this this country was uh, uh, founded in 1867 has been up so it was another record year what makes it so different was just how dramatically strong the year was it was uh it 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 was a year that uh people in the real estate industry will be talking about uh for for a long long time uh, both in terms of the number of homes that traded hands and the and the value of those homes well when we talk about the year in itself you know obviously it came out of out of the gate really really strong you know, we saw the detached, semi-detached townhome market, you know, escalate quite rapidly when we talk about January through till April. Uh, condo market was a little bit lacking in the very beginning, but seemed like it started getting a lot of traction. Um, Phil, you know, when we when we look back at the year, you know, when we talk about areas like the GTA, you know, record number of sales, we have a lot of people talking about the fact that prices have escalated. You know, and, and just to cover off for, for 2021, you know, there was what most people deemed to be that inventory shortage. It was a constant. It wasn't like we had two, three, four months of supply at any given time. We we're always running on the, that fine line of barely a month worth of inventory. Do you think that that is one of the reasons why the market was driven or was it more interest rate driven for 2021? It's really good questions. I'd have to say they both contributed and perhaps throw a third one in there. So, so when money is, is essentially free, you're going to attract a lot of people to major, major purposes like housing and cars. When, when, uh, 
you get a shortage of supply in any commodity that's in high demand, you're going to see uh, upward pressure on prices. And the third one was uniquely uh, pandemic-related, this hyper-focus on the importance of people's homes. And we see it, you know, as we start 2022, uh, we're back home again in, in large numbers. We as a company had begun to return to normalcy in our headquarters and people were coming back and we had a plan uh, to return to normality in the first quarter of uh, 2022. Obviously, people had to be vaccinated to be in our uh, office and such, but we intended to have them in numbers. And with Omicron, we realized that's not possible. We're uh, abiding by public health uh, guidelines and regulations, and people are working from home again. So those homes take on that special significance. Well, and, you know, I'm glad you brought up, obviously, the, the most recent lockdowns. And, you know, when we take a look back at March 2020, this is where, well, you know, companies like your, or, you know, bodies like CMHC came out and said, you know, market going to crash 18, 20% drop, things like that. And it's amazing the resiliency that we've seen in the real estate market going through the pandemic to the point where, you know, I think that uh, as an industry, probably one of the quickest to adjust to be able to accommodate the needs of buyers and sellers, as well as the actual experts in the industry. You know, we watched everything basically go, you know, online, you know, the idea of DocuSign, Zoom meetings, you know, basically doing, you know, Zoom open houses. Like, it, it was incredible, the transition. So, you know, the question that I, that I always ask people, you know, what do you think of this latest lockdown? Do you think it's even gonna have much of a reflection on the market? Because quite frankly, you know, this was this was that staggering time, March 2020. We everybody thought, okay, we're going to watch the the real estate market tank. It just seems like it's not going to have the same adverse effect as it is in other industries, as well as you know, we take a look at the restaurant industry, massive losses, horrible you know situation with them having to close their doors. But real estate doesn't reflect the same way. Yeah, in fact, I'd say perversely, perhaps the opposite. The when we were putting together our forecast for 2022, uh, uh, the Omicron variant had appeared and very quickly became the dominant strain of, of uh, the virus causing COVID-19 around the world. And you know, by this time, governments, public health agencies, businesses, they know how to react. And boy, we react quickly. We, we, it's hard to believe it was only a few weeks ago that that we first learned of this Omicron and the whole world sort of spun on a dime and, and reacted, right? And and we went back to the drawing table, delayed our the release of our 2022 forecast by a few days and recalculated the what we saw for 2022. So what what we thought originally was going to be a more modest year we believe with the arrival of another another wave of, of this pandemic will extend the COVID catalyst in the real estate industry. We think with people staying at home, more of them will want to upgrade their homes. We think with uh, businesses having to grapple with the damaging impact of another wave of the pandemic, and we've seen this with 
thousands and thousands of, of, of businesses struggling to keep their normal operations going because their staff were sick. Uh, we believe that that will make the policymakers behind monetary policy, our, Fed, our, our uh, uh, Bank of Canada, the Federal Reserve, the Bank of England, to pause in what would have been a year of uh, focus on inflation and, and rising interest rates. So that pauses, so lower for longer. And uh, even, you know, in a strange way, it makes Canada more attractive when you think about uh, new Canadians and new demand for housing, because this is one of the safest places in the world to ride out a pandemic. If you look at the two years in, if you look at the health statistics of how this pandemic has been managed by by our doctors and public health officials, and yes, even our stumbling politicians, the results have been outstanding compared to European countries, America, that sort of thing. So Canada becomes a, a more cherished destination for the, the skilled uh, labor and people from around the world who look to relocate. Yeah. So, Phil, I'm going to have have you hang on just for a minute. Folks, if you're just tuning in, I've got Phil Soper with me. He is the president and CEO of Royal LePage. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk actually about the Bank of Canada. We're going to talk about interest rates. Uh, I do want to talk about the effect on the market with Omicron. Is this going to lower the amount of inventory that comes into the market in 2022? And does this potentially mean that we're going to see some price surge also, just uh, you know, I was talking earlier about an article that I read that CMHC is actually considering that home equity tax, and I want Phil's take on it. So, when we come back, we've got more with Phil Soper. So, stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. My guest joining me right now is Phil Soper, and he is the CEO of Royal LePage. And just so you know, folks, um, uh, for the last 10 minutes I was talking with Phil, uh, you know, lots of great information. So if you want, you know, um, go to our site. You can uh, download our uh, our show here and find out more about what is actually going on. Phil, just before the break, you and I were talking, you know, obviously about what uh, the effect that Omicron's having. I want to dive in a little bit more, though, on the bank Canada interest rates, a lot of conversations, you know, we've, um, we've heard that, you know, they were forecasting some kind of potential interest rate hike somewhere sitting around April. This is what the Bank of Canada is doing. The U.S. Fed is saying the same thing, looking at interest rates. Do you think that uh, the idea that with these lockdowns, obviously other people losing their jobs, you know, a lot of business halting, do you think this is going to put a little bit of a, an air break here on the Bank of Canada's increases this year? First of all, people get caught by surprise by central bankers' moves all the time, and that includes big businesses like us who are in the in the uh, industry, the forecasting industry, if you will. It's it's really important for us to have a handle on where interest rates are going, for example. But we don't have a crystal ball. They have access to data that the rest of us don't. And they understand to a degree that we don't the the impacts of things like inflation on the people's savings, people's earnings, uh, the the economy overall. The move 
was clearly towards raising interest rates prior to Omicron, raising interest rates earlier and more aggressively than we might have thought, say, a year ago, uh, coming out of the, the the real liberal monetary policy that was implemented to help the world economy through the pandemic. But I, I can't see the arrival of, a, of another wave of this pandemic in case count the most serious wave yet. Not in, not in, in deaths and, and serious health implications, but just in raw case count. And because the case count is so high, so many people are unable to work, which means airplanes can't fly. Uh, retail stores are having challenges uh, not just with supply lines, which we know have been an issue for a couple of years, but even with just getting the staff to get stuff into packages. So it's 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 a real challenge to the economy. I can't see that speeding up the decision to raise interest rates or the timing. Could it just be the same and they ignore it? I guess, but it it seems the most likely thing that will occur is that they will they will pause and while they might have been looking at a march or an april a return to raising interest rates to combat inflation that could get pushed out into the second half of 2022 and beyond the all-important spring market in uh, the north american housing market yeah so royal page came out with some great articles and uh some forecasts which i always love um when i see them in your reports so the the one report that came out canada's national aggregate home price forecast to rise 10.5 percent in 2022 you know for for some of our listeners phil this is they're going to go oh you got to be kidding me you know uh obviously home ownership a lot of people are saying yay but you know there is there is a balancing act here, and you know with with a forecast of a ten percent increase, again you know the solutions still are 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 far and few between for us. You know what is the biggest driver? Do you feel for that increase? Well, first of all, yes, we're looking at another year of double digit price inflation in Canadian housing. Not everywhere, right? We're a we're a nation of of regions. Unfortunately, for those of us who live in the greater Toronto area, unless you're homeowners, and you know, 70% of Canadians are homeowners, so I'd say the majority are happy. But if you're a young family who's looking to get into the market, that, that could be discouraging. But it's half the rate that we saw in 2021. So the, the rate, even though prices are rising, the rate of inflation or price appreciation is moderating. And, and there will be relief in sight. If you go back over the last, oh, 50 years, we typically have a, a 12 to 24 month period every decade where home prices get out of hand. It's not like we're in a China where they try to manage prices in some kind of a central, uh, centrally managed economy. We're a free market economy and it's, it's a messy thing. So, my expectation is coming out of the pandemic, call it 2023 to 2024, we'll have a period of relative calm. Is it likely that home prices will 
actually back up? Probably not. It it happens so rarely over over the decades, and if it does, it's it's typically just for a few months. But what it what is likely to happen is a period where home prices are lower than the long term average of between five and six percent, and we saw that recently in the that we had a, a spike in home prices in the middle of the last decade in that 15, 16 time period. And it was followed by some government intervention, some overshooting and valuations. And prices didn't back up, but they slowed in places like the GTA, in uh, the lower mainland of Vancouver, in Montreal. They slowed to very, very modest, almost flat levels during the 18-19 time period. So I would expect we'll see a period like that after this this run up and then they'll start to climb again. Why? Because we're we have a boisterous economy. It's one of the favored places on the planet for people with skills and capital to uh, immigrate to. And uh, I don't think that's going to change in our lifetime. Yeah, I think I think you just popped the bubble of some people that thinking we're in a bubble. But, you know, this is this is part of it. You know, when when people see prices rise, Phil, they always are the doomsayers will come flying out saying, yeah, but we're in a bubble, we're going to burst and everybody's going to lose their equity. Um, you know, I've been I've been following it just as you do and, and a lot of the real estate professionals. And, and I have to concur with you, you know, the idea of getting down to a little bit more of a stable number for increase. We'll make the market a lot more comfortable and give people options, I think, when it comes down to negotiation due to, you know, transparency and offers and things that have been created by, you know, a heated, an overheated market that is definitely, uh, you know, has too less of inventory. Um, if we were if we were to to just summarize, you know, 2022. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we have to wait out the, the pandemic, we have to wait out and see what the Bank of Canada does, just the chances of a more inventory, it's not going to be immediate. You know, um, do you see any light at the end of the tunnel when we talk about inventory? Gosh, it's a good question. I do. I'm a naturally optimistic person. And I do take encouragement from the, the change in dialogue in elections and from our elected officials at the municipal, provincial, and, and federal levels. It, it, if you go back to the middle of the last decade, people would point to scapegoats. Oh, it's foreign investment. You know, research showed it never moved the needle, never got even in the most uh, attractive places during the boom of foreign investment in say 2006, 15, 16, it never got to 5% of the market. So it never moved the needle. And it's typically in, in, in Canada overall, very small, 1% maybe. Uh, then it was uh, real estate practices. Real estate, you know, how homes are sold, how the process by which uh, realtors, mortgage professionals, banks, whatever, in the industry operate, doesn't change the value of which homes trade. It can be make it easier or more difficult, uh, but it doesn't change the value of what an important asset like, like a home uh, changes. So you you have all, all of these uh, things pointing to one problem, which you point out, Todd, which is we don't have enough homes in this country. Scotia Economics did, did some excellent research in 2021, and they 
which revealed were short some 1.8 million homes in this country. So the dialogue has changed. You now get leaders talking about ways in which we're going to get more housing supply in place, reducing regulations, reducing costs, speeding time from idea and approval to you know, opening the door and handing over the keys. Uh, and we have to because this country is is growing. And thank God we are, because if you look at the countries around the world that aren't growing, that don't have a functioning immigration system, our native population, if you will, aren't having enough babies. And so they're shrinking and their economies are shrinking and it's causing incredible uh, havoc, wrecking havoc on their on on uh, their ability to provide services for their citizens, particularly older citizens. So all this being said, as an optimist, I think if you focus on a problem, it gets better. Is it going to get better right away? No. Is it going to take years? Yes. Is it something like healthcare or education? We just can't take our eye off the ball. We have to continually focus on the housing supply crisis in this country? Absolutely. It should be a 20-year plan to, to to get to where we need to be. And uh, uh, I'd like to think that Canadians won't let our public uh, officials uh, take their eye off the ball because it's so important, not just to them, but to their kids. Well, listen, Phil, it's been a real pleasure catching up with you uh, here at the start of the new year, and I appreciate your time. And definitely I'm going to touch base with you in the next few months, and you can give us an update and let us know how the market's doing. So it's been a great pleasure having you on, and thanks so much for joining me today. And, and great to talk to you again. You have a great 2022. I know we'll talk before this year is over, but uh, off to a roaring start. And that was Phil Soper, and he is president and CEO at Royal Page. Coming up after the break, I've got Dave Butler joining me, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, next guest joining me, he is Dave Butler from BM Select. You uh, you hear Dave here regularly, but it doesn't seem like I've talked to him since last year. Hey, Dave. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. How you doing, Todd? I'm good, thanks. Great to have you back. You know, uh, here we are. We're rolling into 2022. A lot of stuff actually going on because before uh, before the New Year, you and I did talk. You know, we were talking about Bank of Canada, some rate increases potentially. Now we've got a new lockdown, really no end in sight. Lots of stuff kind of hitting the proverbial fan. And, you know, I want to talk to you today, obviously, about where we where, where we're going to see interest rates what the market's going to do you know we can do a quick uh quick overview for 2021 so how about we start there dave 2021 in the record books really solid year in the real estate world you know record number of sales uh you know prices are up obviously not not to the the the, the joy of any buyer but definitely you know we're watching the market stay strong through the entire year yeah, I mean, what a year. I mean, first of all, 2021, absolute just heater of a year. Um, you know, and it's funny, obviously, we talk a lot about, Todd, you and I, about real estate and the transactions and and how those numbers are looking. And, uh, you know, what sometimes gets lost is that as we're having all these transactions behind the scenes, what isn't reported through the real estate uh, numbers is that there's been a record number of refinances. I mean, you've got people realizing how much equity they have in their home, um, you know, after this big boom. And certainly, uh, you know, we're seeing people want to get access to it for potentially future investment, for potentially uh, renovations, construction. So um, all in all, 2021, what a year. 
um, certainly obviously helped, you know, with the hot market and, and, and interest rates staying low. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and, and to end the year in December, fantastic numbers. Uh, we're waiting for our final, uh, the final count. We'll get that middle of uh, January and, uh, but record, record, record. I mean, um, and we're expecting obviously a big 2022. Yeah, so not not to be a doomsayer, I'm always a glass half full, but just to throw it out there, you did bring up something, and I know it's a hot topic, because we hear a lot of politicians jabbering about it, and what you just mentioned, that we saw, you know, a huge amount of refinancing, and of course, the doomsayers out there, and we know there's lots of them, you know, we hear them all the time, chitter chatter, oh yeah, you guys are taking on too much debt. Is there that concern? Because, you know, a lot of people keep throwing out the bubble word, and I just had Phil Soper on, you know, CEO at Royal Page. You know, when we talk about markets, the way they structure and everything else, you know, we don't believe that we're ever going to hit that bubble uh, situation unless we have a complete global meltdown. So, you know, are are people fairly safe to access some of their equity in their home if they're being responsible with it? Yeah, you hit you hit it right on the head though with that last word, responsible. I mean, you know, obviously you and I, we work with a lot of real estate investors. These are generally going to be savvy, uh, you know, people very responsible, financially responsible. And so, you know, the, the the cool thing that I've found is that the people that are taking access to to, to some of the equity in their home, they're doing so. Um, I believe, you know, very cautiously. Um, and again, access is a different word. You know, we're not having a lot of our clients go out and just, you know, uh, absurdly refinance and pull money out and have it sit in the bank doing nothing. A lot of our clients, we are doing it what I believe is the right way. We're putting home equity line of credits on their property. This way, they don't have to use the funds right away. They're not feeling forced to use the funds because that's one of the things a lot of I've, I've seen other mortgage brokers and even bankers will try to convince their clients to go and refinance and take money out and put it in their bank and then use it when they need it. Well, that's only helping the bank make money. They're paying interest now on something that they're not using. And that's why I've always been a really big, big proponent of home equity line of credits for investor clients and for those that are looking to access and tap into their equity because the home equity line of credit is great. You're not paying interest on anything until you use it as opposed to a, a standard refinance where you're now actually paying interest on the money that's sitting in your bank not being used. So um, certainly to answer the question, yeah, well, I'm I'm finding that responsible clients, um, a lot of investor clients, a lot of you know fiscally responsible clients, um, we're not doing anything irresponsible. We're actually getting access to the funds. And then when the customer um, has, has somewhere to put those funds, that's where they're going. And as Todd, you know, you know, it's not just the real estate market that was hot in 2021 and in 2020. Um, we've got clients obviously looking to possibly um, get access to funds to put it into other investments that they feel are strong. So um, all in all, uh, I feel like we're not doing it irresponsibly like was maybe done in 2000s and up to 2008 in the United States. Yeah, no, and, and a great point, Dave, because again, going back to the home line of credit, one of the things that, um, you know, you and I spell out, obviously, to a lot of the clients out there and a lot of our listeners is the fact that when you when you actually use your home line of credit to purchase, let's say, an investment property, let's say you're utilizing the home line of credit for the 20% down, folks, that's just a transfer of equity, keeping in mind that that equity now resides in another property of value which now has appreciation. So, you know, with the investment and yeah, we can play numbers and all that. And, and that's where a lot of people come to our seminars, you know, Dave has them, I have them. 
But ultimately, in the end, it's just a transferal of equity. Now, if you go and turn around and blow it on a great vacation, you know, your choice, but unless the, the you know, the, the photos are giving you that, that rate of return that you're looking for, quite <laughs> frankly, you know, as Dave said, being, being responsible financially is very important at this time. So, Dave, one big thing that we, uh, we've had a lot of conversations about, Bank of Canada, you know, they um, they had roared out last year, last fall, telling us, you know, beware, we're going to start raising some interest rates. And now we're sitting here, you know, new variant, you know, uh, handcuffing, you know, basically the world again. And are we going to see the banks jump these rates or are we going to be watching, you know, something, you know, a little bit different? Yeah, amazing question. Um, and I think we're actually going to find ourselves in a very interesting situation here. Um, with Omicron um, and the uncertainty with regards to COVID-19 and, and when we will finally be out of the woods, that, you know, when we're looking at that, you know, you're looking at, say, the variable rate, the variable rate being controlled by the Bank of Canada is actually completely different than the fixed rates, which are being narrated by the bond market. And what we're seeing is we're actually seeing an interesting split. And that is that with Omicron and the uncertainty, you're likely to have the Bank of Canada be cautious on an increase to the prime rate. But behind the scenes in the daily movement market, such as the bond market, which is tied to the fixed rates, we're actually likely to see some movement up. And what you're likely then to, and not a big movement, certainly, but the fixed rates will follow the bond yields. So if the bond yields are going up slightly, the fixed rates will likely go up. And I think what you're going to find is we might find ourselves in a situation where there's more disparity between the two rates, making the variable even more attractive on a one-to-one basis. Um, And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. Again, everything is up in the air because when you have these uh, spikes with this pandemic, um, it really does uh, really put some handcuffs on what the policymakers can do. Um, But certainly there's no policymakers in the bond market. And that's where things differ a bit with fixed and variable. But all in all, I would say first half of the year, I would be very surprised if we see a lot of movement on the prime rate, but I think we may see some volatility in particular with respect to the bond yields. Yeah. And historically, Dave, you and I both know a lot of people when they've stuck with the variable over their lifetime in a mortgage, uh, variables normally proven to be the better place to be. So one of the, one of the things that I think that that we need to make sure the listeners know: do not panic just because you know we may see a little fluctuation, a little bit bit of an increase. You know the numbers out there, Dave, are still exceptionally attractive, especially when we talk about variable. Oh, I mean, the variable rate has a one in front of it. I mean, you know, in the interest rate world, and I know for the last couple of years, we've been a little spoiled, uh, but you and I, Todd, we've been around for a long, long time. And when you have a one in front of an interest rate in the mortgage world, um, that is going to be attractive all day long. And you're right. I mean, the variable has outperformed the fixed rates, uh, I think going on now close to 25 to 30 years. So it doesn't mean it's all the time. Um, There can be little blips in between, but certainly, Certainly, you know, I always say to my clients when they're asking me fixed or variable, I've always been very open and honest. I think it depends a lot on the client's risk profile. And certainly, I think a lot of it has to do with how long the client plans to have the home. You know, when I have clients that are only planning on keeping a home for a short period of time, maybe one, two, three years, the variable rate is certainly attractive because the penalties to break variable rates are minimal. Um, But if I have a client who is looking to be in a home for only one or two or three years and they're looking for a five year fix, 
next, I I might caution them because paying that penalty on that breakage could be substantial. And that's just something that you want to look at, but always assessing each client's risk profile and their expectations with what they're doing and making the right decision every single time. Excellent. Dave, listen, awesome to catch up with you. Uh, Can you let our listeners know best way to reach you? Absolutely. You can give us a shout at our office. The number is one 684 8326, or you can get us an email. Uh, our email address is info at bmselect.ca. And thank you very much, Todd. Amazing to start the year with you, man. Great. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. Well, it's always great to catch up with Dave Butler from BM Select. And of course, I also want to thank Phil Soper for joining me, president and CEO at Royal LePage. You know, amazing, amazing information uh, Royal LePage releases in their report. So I think that, uh, you know, when people have access to this, it's really important. So that's, you know what, that's a wrap. This is, that's the first one of the year. I can't believe it. Here we are, 2022. What does the year, what is the year going to hold for you? You know, um, for those of you that joined me uh, during my webinar, uh, thank you so much. Awesome to have so many people log in. Remember coming up this Wednesday at 9 a.m., you can register for the newest release. That's right, those townhomes that I talked about. You can go to simpleinvestor.com, find out more, but Wednesday, 9 a.m., that's how you can access it. Uh, And other than that, of course, um, I do want to thank Ian Grant. He has made it simple for me at the beginning of the year as well. And I want to thank you for tuning in. Hopefully we can uh, bring you a strong enough show that we will be the number one real estate talk show as usual. And I will be back next Sunday at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.